praise God. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah uh, chapter 6, the book of Isaiah in chapter 6. Uh, what a privilege to be here and uh, minister in my mother church, uh, Pastor Mitchell and Pastor Greg, so uh, honored that they would uh, invite me to come. And uh, so it is such a, uh, Pastor Greg has made such an investment in my life over the last numbers of years uh, that I, I am in, in his debt for uh, enlarging and deepening my own ministry and uh, greater uh, insight and, and uh, commitment to the Word of God. I, uh, I, it's immeasurable, the, uh, the impact our pastor's had on my life personally, and I'm so grateful. It's great to be back in the Prescott Church, you know, uh, um, uh, folks that believed in me when there were nobody else would ever even think of believing in me and uh, launched me into a ministry uh, coming up on 37 years ago and so um, it it's just seems like yesterday <laughs> hardly <laughs> anyways so if you have your bibles uh, so you, you know i i travel uh, a bit you know not as much as some um, perhaps but uh, you know you go uh, throughout the world and uh, very few places you go in the world and you won't see signs for Coca-Cola. Uh, or, um, you know, you might even run into a, a McDonald's uh, or a Starbucks a Pizza Hut. Uh, and, uh, and what you, uh, you, you come to grips with is that uh, here are these franchises that have filled the earth uh, with their product. Uh, they're certainly motivated because they want to make money, uh, but on the other hand, they, they believe in what they're doing. You know, it's, uh, they, they have a, 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 a vision that uh, their, their product can bless the earth, and so they seek to fill the earth, and uh, they're not afraid to spend money. They're not afraid to personally sacrifice uh, because they, they want to fill the earth with their product. We serve a God who wants to fill the earth with his glory. And uh, this is who he is. This is who God is. He is a glorious God. And he wants the earth to know of his glory. And if you and I are going to serve him as men of God with a vision that has been entrusted to us that needs to be our passion and our burden to see the earth filled with the glory of God so let's look at Isaiah chapter 6 very familiar uh, text of course it says in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above it stood seraphim each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, 
This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Filling the earth. Let's think, uh, first of all, about the glory of the Lord. A, a number of uh, years ago, I was uh, asked to minister at the Zambian uh, conference. This is in South Central African Conference, and, and uh, Pastor Steve Bowman at the time uh, had invited me to come. And uh, the day that I arrived and landed in the nation of Zambia, uh, the president of their nation died. And uh, he was a popular president. It was a very devastating thing. That you could feel it as the conference began that uh, here is a, he had some reputation as a Christian. Uh, and uh, and uh, here's the, at the beginning of this conference, uh, there is uh, this, this leader has been lost. And this uh, uh, instability and uncertainty uh, strikes the, the lives of these people. And at the end of the conference, I preached on this uh, passage of Scripture, uh, not this sermon, it's another sermon, but that in the year that King Uzziah died, in that uh, place of instability, in that place of upheaval, in that, uh, in that vacuum of leadership, God is wanting to speak into that generation. And so he is looking for, for men who will get a hold of the glory of God. You, you know, I, we don't, I'm not here to talk about politics tonight, but I think that you would recognize that there are some, uh, some, some real uh, uns, in, unstable things happening in our culture. You know, uh, Supreme Court decisions and Title IX impositions, and it's like it can freak your head out. What is happening in the earth? The insanity that is happening in our earth. And in the face of that, in the face of that, we need to see that God is on the throne, right? He, he rules. Our Jesus can be too small for us. There's a book that J.B. Phillips wrote many years ago called Your God is Too Small. We sing a chorus, be magnified, O Lord. I made you too small in my eyes. And that's something that we deal with as men of God, that our God can be too small. And we face some of these uh, situations that, uh, that strike us about what's taking place in our culture. And we begin to lose hope. We begin to uh, panic. We begin to doubt. But our God is God. And he rules and he is, he is at work, and he is a plan. Isaiah, in our text, is having an encounter with the Son of God. This one that is seated on the throne is the second person of the Trinity. This is very God, a very God. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple that were i saw the lord that is the lord of all the sovereign the lord the master high and elevated high above every principality and power high above every concern every issue in life that our god reigns supreme he is 
most high God, he rules. And the train, just the, the hem of his robe, just the hem of his robe, which is a manifestation of his majesty, just the hem of his robe absolutely fills the temple of the Lord. Just the hem, just the very edge of his glory, just the edge of his glory fills the temple of God. Psalm 93 says, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. It is seraphim. These angels are, uh, are worshiping, uh, and they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You know, the, the Hebrew language doesn't have... Uh, adjectives like very and a lot and most and things like that they they uh, what they do is they repeat something they don't say something's very green they say it's green green but when you say something is three times holy 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 you're talking about a transcendent glory something beyond what human minds can measure something that that is only that we can only receive by the revelation of the Word of God to our hearts. His very being must fill the earth with His glory. And this is the person that became Jesus of Nazareth. When, we're, when we read about Jesus of Nazareth in the Word of God, we are seeing in human form this God that is enthroned in this passage of Scripture. This is the Son of God now become human flesh. How do we know that it's talking about Jesus? Because John 12, 41 says Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Isaiah is being totally blown away by the glory of the Son of God. He became the Son of God, that Jesus Christ became incarnate by a work of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 1.35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who was born will be called the Son of God. The Son of God became man through the agency of the Spirit of God. And Jesus is the most glorious revelation of God Hebrews says God who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down to the right hand of the majesty on high we're talking God showing us the fullness of his glory in the person of Jesus Christ when we're talking about Jesus we're not just talking about a really good guy we're not just talking about a prophet we're just not talking about some superhero we're talking about God very God in human flesh revealing God in a perfect, glorious revelation of who God is. 
that the glory of God touches down on the earth when Jesus Christ is walking the face of the earth. The glory of God is revealed. The Bible says that they beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, this God, think of this now, a God, God himself, the second person of the Trinity, infinite, eternal, glorious, all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing, that that person became a man. Now think of this, just the, just the very edges of his majesty filled an entire temple, and yet all of Jesus Christ, all of the Son of God, entered the womb of a virgin and was in an embryo. That God would do that, that he would so humble himself to be in a woman's womb for nine months and then be born. You know, the Greek myths and Roman myths, you know, the gods would sometimes come down to earth and come off of Mount Olympus and, and put on a man's suit for a while. Go around wreaking havoc and doing other things and then go back where they came from and, you know, toss the man thing aside. Think of this now, that this eternal God became man forever. He will never go back to just being God and not the God-man. For all eternity, the Son of God chose to become a man. Today, he is enthroned in heaven as a man. And he, he did that to reveal God perfectly to you and to me. That we can know God through the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't just take on human flesh for a little while to accomplish something and then cast it aside. He said, for all eternity, I will reveal the glory of God through a man, through God becoming a man. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible that you and I have before us is God's self-revelation. This is how God lets us know who Jesus is. He wants, he wants the earth filled with the glory of Jesus Christ. It is for you and I as men of God to behold the glory of Jesus Christ as he is revealed in this book. You know, we see movies uh, about Jesus, you know, we see the Jesus movies and, uh, the, you know, Passion of the Christ, and sometimes you can just kind of, yeah, like that, that's, uh, that's Jesus. He's in a, he's, uh, I, I, I get it, you know. But, you know, movies can't show you this. Right? Movies can't show you the glory of Jesus Christ. And it, that we would make a commitment in our own hearts tonight that we want the glory of God to fill the earth 
And we need to be captivated by that glory and captivated by this person, that this person so captivates our hearts that we want to make him known on our job site, in our neighborhood, and to the nations of the earth. The wisdom, the grace, the love, the holiness, the power, the patience, and the faithfulness of God all revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. But see, it goes further than this. Let's think, secondly, about the gospel. I, I don't know if any of you have ever played chess. One of the things that... Uh, you do in you you do in chess is you protect your king right you make sure that the, that the king doesn't get compromised that he doesn't and so uh, the king is almost always in a def uh, defensive uh, posture to, so we're protecting him so nothing happens you sacrifice uh, uh, bishops you sacrifice uh, rooks you sacrifice pawns you even sacrifice the queen bishops <laughs> you know anything just to protect the king that's what you do you protect the king but see in the gospel it's the opposite that the king didn't protect himself the king put himself in harm's way on our behalf See, the full glory of Jesus Christ isn't just revealed in his person. If we just look at the person of Jesus Christ and not his work on the cross, then we miss the glory of God. That's the mistake that Peter made. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father is in heaven. But then Jesus began to talk about the cross, and then Peter said, oh, hey, no, 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 we're, we're not going there. And Jesus rebukes him as the devil because the glory of Jesus is not just in his person, but what he did for us on the cross. See, the gospel is the most glorious revelation of God that there is. Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead our text takes place in the temple isaiah is in the temple and he sees a revelation of the son of god he sees the son of god seated on the throne and he sees seraphim with their wings over their feet and over their faces over the, and and flying and bowing in awe and wonder and in majesty at the majesty of god you know in the temple in the holy of holies the very holiest place was a piece of furniture called the ark of the covenant and the ark of the covenant had on it a golden lid and on that golden lid were two angels bowing in awe looking into the glorious covenant that god had made with his people that that cover was sprinkled with the atoning blood of the sacrifice and on the cherubim the bible says in that place that god was enthroned 
So what, we're what we see in this text is what was represented in a piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies is manifested as reality. That real seraphim and God making himself visible in terms of a vision. And what we're seeing is that this is this is Jesus Christ revealing himself to us as the one who not only shows us the glory of who he is, but is going to give himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, angels are in awe of what God has done for us in Jesus. Just as those angels are in awe as they are witnessing the, the splendor and majesty of the Son of God and His place enthroned uh, on the mercy seat and, the, and the, uh, a throne of mercy and grace and represented by the blood of atonement. As they are in awe and worship of that. The angels today are in awe still. They just... They are just moved, gloriously moved by watching what God has done for us in Jesus and watching the lives changed and transformed, right? It's, it's better than watching baseball, right? It's better than, you, you know, playing golf. It is, you know, it's, it's better than anything else in life is that these angels standing... Uh, you know, sitting in heaven and watching the glory of God touch desperate and hopeless and needy sinners. They're absolutely in awe. 1 Peter 1.12, it was revealed to them that we're serving not themselves but to you in the things that now have been announced to you through the, those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Jesus is the fulfillment of the mercy seat. It's how people can have a relationship with God, how they can know God, how the glory of God can be revealed to them. That here is God, this holy, holy, holy God. How can a holy, holy, holy God have anything to do with unholy, unholy, unholy you and me? How can a righteous and holy God? There's only one way this glorious gospel, this glorious gospel that God would become a man and as man he would bear the guilt of my sins and yours in his own body. That God would be just and justifier of those who believe in Jesus. That the gospel is this glorious new that there's a God in heaven that is holy, 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 but he also has love and compassion and mercy on sinners. How can both things come together? They come together in the person of Jesus Christ where God expresses this unfathomable love for us and that he was willing to give his son to become a man forever to be wounded, suffered, died, so that you and I could be forgiven, you and I could be redeemed. The agony of the cross so immense that Jesus even just looking ahead to it, he's still in the garden, he hasn't even gotten to the cross yet, but just 
looking ahead and realizing what's going to be involved. The Bible says, he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. This is, I could die right here just contemplating, re recognizing what it's going to mean to lose fellowship with my Father that I have enjoyed for all eternity past and become sin that he must judge the agony of that and yet he still said yes an agony no human being has ever been through the agony that Jesus Christ went through he saw it he recognized it you and I get nervous when we go to the dentist and he contemplated this unfathomable thing of, of bearing the judgment of God upon all human sin to receive the judgment of a, a zillion hells upon himself an infinite being suffering infinitely beyond anything that we could grasp and he did it because he loves you and he loves the people outside of these walls see that's the glory of it we're talking about not, it, it's like the, the love of God in, in Jesus Christ, but it's also that the love of God filled and moved upon the heart of Jesus of Nazareth. He loved us as a man, not just as God. There's one person in two natures. He's not schizo. One person in two natures. And the love of God and his love the love of God produced in a human heart by the Spirit of God. As a man, as a man, he said yes. The greatest act of love, the greatest act of obedience ever done, and it was done for you and for me. See, we want to protect the king. It was a story that comes out of World War II. It's the eve of the Normandy invasion, right, right before uh, June 6, 1944. Massive invasion of, of, uh, of Normandy, right? We're going to take uh, Hitler out. And Winston Churchill is the prime minister of uh, England at that time. Uh, he wants to be there. He wants to be there. I want to be on one of those ships. And uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, the, the supreme allied commander, is trying to talk him out of it. You, you can't put yourself in that danger, right? You can't, uh, we can't let that happen. But uh, uh, Winston Churchill will not be dissuaded. So uh, Eisenhower went above his head and talked to the king, King George VI and said, this is what your prime minister is trying to do. He wants to be there, and we can't have that happen. And so King George said, he talked to the prime minister, he said, I'll tell you, uh, if you think you ought to be there, then that means I need to be there too. And Winston knew he had to protect the king, so he gave in. See. In life, we protect the king, but in the kingdom of God, the king didn't protect himself. He went to the cross for you and me, for every man and woman and child. And, and, and Isaiah experiences 
the glory of this atonement. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, the one. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in, in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from tongs from the altar and touched my mouth with it and said, behold, he has touched, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged or it's atoned for. See, the Holy Spirit, we don't know how it's involved, but the Bible says how the Holy Spirit's involved. But Jesus offered himself by the Holy Spirit on the cross to die for our sins. To make atonement. We deserve the judgment of God. We deserve hell. And Jesus took that upon himself. That temple that was just, just the hem of his garment, just the, just the very extremity filled, his, filled that temple with majesty. And one day Jesus is going to walk the earth and just the hem of his garment, somebody's going to reach out and touch and be made completely whole. The glory of the gospel, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, that Jesus was willing to do this out of love for you and for me. And that God would love sinners. That this holy and glorious God would love and send his son to die for sinners. It's the most glorious message in all time and eternity. We need to close with a thought of the power of proclaiming. You know, many of you may have uh, seen this, this article that... Uh, appeared where uh, the, a list of the 10 greatest missionaries in church history. And there's some uh, people that have been known uh, for much of the church, William Carey and Hudson Taylor and St. Patrick and uh, these different ones. And in that list is Pastor Mitchell as one of the 10 greatest missionaries in church history. Now, he's not as famous as William Carey or Hudson Taylor. You know, he doesn't, there's not books written about him that have been read for generations. But if you think, if you think about what you and I have in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, and, and the full gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation, healing, deliverance, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that what we have received from our pastor is a, a vision for making disciples and planting churches to fill the earth with his glory you know I don't know if you ever see uh, you know an ad you know for some of these uh, cell phone uh, the coverage things you know it shows all of the United States glowing with the glory of their receptivity you know uh, with, with, with their signal Wow T-Mobile has the glory fills America AT&T the glory of their towers fill America
See, what God is calling us to do is fill the earth with the glory of the gospel. And see, this takes place in a temple. You, you and I know that the temple today is not some building. We don't call our churches temples. It's not a building, it's a people. It's an assembly. See, the, the glory of what is happening in this text is reproduced way more gloriously. This is so hard for us to grasp, like if we saw this. But see, the gospel fulfilled is more glorious than what Isaiah saw. And that means that any, that some couple that has been launched into the harvest field to pioneer a church for God that is in a storefront or a, a meeting in a hotel room or a, in a school or in a, in a recreation center, that if we could see the map like the, like the uh, cell map, like the mobile phone map, that little place would shine with the glory of God. The glory of God is being represented every place that we plant a church where a couple goes out of the line and is willing to step in to the, uh, into the streets of the city to lift up their voice and preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, we look and we see our sometimes limited numbers of pioneer churches struggling and, and not seeing all the breakthrough that they want to see. And sometimes it can be obscured to us, the glorious thing that we're involved in. There is nothing more glorious than this, to fill the earth with the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that common people like you and me when Pastor Mitchell sent my wife and I to Alamogordo, New Mexico back in 1979, it's like there was, there's no way that I had any kind of grasp that anything glorious was going to take place through my life. Like I'm going to go and they're going to pull me back in a body bag. That's, that's the faith that I have. But you know what? what you know what's so glorious? is the gospel. The gospel has its own glory. The gospel possesses its own power. And that when limited people of limited ability and, and limited faith and, and limited experience have the guts to go and have a passion to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glory of God touches down and the earth becomes filled with his glory. He says, whom shall I send and who shall go for us? This is not just for you, Isaiah. This is not just for you to get off on that you've seen a vision. No, this needs to get outside of these four walls. It says the, the, the smoke filled the temple. It moved the doors. That is, it's, the glory of God is to break out of the doors of the church. It's to get out into the streets and out in, uh, into the communities where, where precious souls can be reached with a gospel. But it's because that glory is contended for in the assembly, where he's worshipped, where he's proclaimed, where, where lives are shaped and formed for his purpose. He sends us full of the Holy Spirit. See, there's another place where 
the place where they were meeting was shaken like this in, in Acts 4, 31. And when he had, they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, that's the assembly that was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. See, our call is to win souls and make disciples and plant churches. It's, that's not just a program. It's not just a, uh, establishing Potter's House franchises across the earth. We're talking about the most glorious thing that a human being could ever be involved in. That the glory of God would touch down in your community, in your city, that you as a disciple in your local church right now could be filling your heart with the glory of God revealed in this book that you could so press into a relationship with God that you would press into your pastor and glean from him all that he has learned and known of God and his purposes and, and, and skills for bringing the glory of God to bear that you would give yourself to this and be moved from the depths of your soul, that there is nothing more glorious than this in all of life, that Jesus Christ would be made known in the earth. You know, the ministered in that Zambian conference those years ago, the, the final night, the Friday night, and I preached in the year that King Uzziah died. Who will go? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And that night, young men, young women, couples responded in the, in the crisis of their own life, said this is, it's not politically, what's happening politically is not the most important thing in life. This is the most important thing in life. This is what we're going to give ourselves for. And I don't know how many of those, that was 2009, I don't know how many of those couples are touching down, causing the glory of God to touch down in cities throughout Central Africa. But I know that the, the reality of that needs to grip every single one of us. You know, this uh, last uh, Friday, I. You, you know, the, the, the thing comes down, you know, about the Title IX and bathrooms and who gets to go to what bathroom. And, and you know, you just want to just shoot yourself or something. It's just like, like, I can't believe I'm living this. I can't believe that I am living in it. I mean, I was a, I was a radical, you know, war protesting I, you know i'm not talking my background was was very progressive progressive but i learned some things since then and i tell you i was i was so grieved it was like just you could i could feel physically you know the next day we have this uh, thing that happens every year in our city called Alien Days. It's 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 uh, like UFOs, you know. There was a UFO sighting back in the 50s, I guess, and so they come from all over the world, dress up like Chewbacca, you know. And it's 
it is pouring rain. We're, we're going to do this outdoor thing. It is pouring rain. The seats are in like two inches of water. You know, it's like, how is this going to happen? God, God, here's my nation going into the toilet, literally. And, and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> what, God, help us, you know. And it's pouring rain. And the rain stopped. And the, the ministry of the gospel began to go forth. And altar call after altar call, as souls began to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching on the streets of our city, thousands of people, and there was a dominion, there was a, it was a glory of God that touched down. Our city is not a big city. The glory of God touched down there. And I went home that night rejoicing, rejoicing. I can, you, you can get depressed about what's happening politically. But when you get a hold of this, it, there's no joy like it. There's nothing greater to satisfy the human heart than to sell out for the gospel that the glory of God would fill the earth and God would use you to pour his glory into, to touch the earth with. Let's do that, men. Let's be those channels of God's glory in the earth, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, however far we need to go. There's nothing more glorious. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our heads are bowed.